As the Apostle Paul wrote the beloved Philemon, in verse number 7, Paul says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by thee, brother. I can honestly say that the hearts of the saints this weekend have been refreshed because of your service and labor of love. So many of you have worked tirelessly behind the scenes making this weekend a success. I certainly appreciate your service, your labor of love, and I know the Lord does too. In Hebrews 6 verse number 10, we learn that God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love which we have shown toward his name. Arise and grow as a family. What a great subject to talk about. I don't think there's a better subject that we can talk about than the home. You know, when we turn to the scriptures, we can see that the home is very important. As I was thinking about the lessons this weekend, I was thinking about how could we really just sum up all of the lessons I believe we could sum up the lessons with these three points. Number one, God is the architect of the home, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24. Number two, we learn that the Bible, the Word of God, is the blueprint for the home. Everything that we need to know about the home, to have godly homes, has been revealed in the Scriptures, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. Remember, when you turn to the scriptures and when you allow God through his word to help you build a godly home, we're not talking about just any kind of help. We're talking about divine help, the kind of help that will make a difference in your home and in my home. I hope this after this weekend, we all leave here with the attitude that we see in Psalm 119, 173 when it comes to the home. Let thy hand help me. And then number three, we learn that Jesus Christ is the foundation of the home. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. How do we build homes that are founded upon Jesus Christ? Homes that are, that are rock solid, spiritually speaking. I believe Jesus answers that question in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, when Jesus says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And so I'm thankful for the elders of this congregation and their wisdom. I'm thankful for Brother Cody. This weekend, this whole series of lessons has been centered on the home. And we need more lessons that that are geared and centered on the homes, building godly homes. Well, this afternoon, as we bring this series of lessons to a close, we're going to be focusing on faithfulness in the home. I believe we live in a time when faithfulness has little meaning. Whether we are talking about our relationship with God or our relationship with our spouse, faithfulness is one of the keys 
to having spiritual success. Practically speaking, when we talk about faithfulness, we're, we're talking about fidelity. We're talking about allegiance. We're talking about trustworthiness. We're talking about dependability. We're talking about commitment. I like the word commitment when it comes to faithfulness. Maybe you're wondering, well, is there a difference between faithfulness and commitment? There is. You see, commitment has to do with the intent to stay in a relationship, while faithfulness is the practice of doing it. That's why we're emphasizing faithfulness in this lesson, because we're just not talking about faithfulness. We're not talking about just intending to stay committed. We're going to practice it. We're going to put it into practice. We're going to be faithful to one another. I want you to consider this, this research that I found on, on faithfulness and, and, and commitment. Listen to what it says. Research tells us that the more deeply people are committed to their spouse in marriage, the more likely they are to, number one, sacrifice for the sake of their marriage. Number two, report that they are satisfied with their relation. Number three, feel less trapped in their marriage. Number four, enjoy longer lasting marriages. Listen to this last one. Those who are, are committed, listen to it, tend not to scan the horizon for alternative partners. Now that's what research tells us. But friends, we don't need research to tell us those things. Because the Bible tells us those things. We can establish a Bible with each one of those points. We need to listen to God. Remember Habakkuk 2 verse number 20? The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. How true that is when it comes to the home. People are telling us in the world, we need to do this and we need to do that. But what we need to do is listen to God. I like what Solomon has said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. He says, when you go into the house of the Lord, be ready to hear the word versus just offering sacrifice. Be more ready to hear. Be more ready to listen. And so I hope we've been listening. Listening to the lessons that have been presented by the various speakers on the home. Well, this afternoon, my assignment is to discuss the relationship of, of Ruth and, and Boaz and to identify those things that, that make them a model of faithfulness in the home. Now, now if you've read the book of, of Ruth, you, you realize that, that it starts off in a very sad way, but it ends on a happy note. It begins with three funerals, and it ends with a wedding. You also notice as you go through the, the book of, of Ruth, uh, the book of Ruth really doesn't have a whole lot to say about Ruth and Boaz as a married couple. The majority of the book really centers around how God brought them together 
in marriage. It's really a great book to study. But as we go through this book, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight characteristics of faithfulness. Characteristics of faithfulness that that are seen in their lives. We're going to see characteristics of faithfulness in Ruth's life. We're going to see characteristics of faithfulness in Boaz's life. And so as we begin looking at the book of Ruth, I invite you to open your Bibles to this great book. And let's notice some things in our study together this afternoon. One characteristic of of faithfulness is kindness. Now, as you look at Ruth chapter 1, I want you to read with me verse number 8. As you're turning over there, let me kind of fill in the background before we read chapter 1, verse number 8. As you look at chapter 1, we see that Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, make their way to Moab. They go to Moab because there's a great famine in the land. And we learn that Naomi's husband dies. They have, they have two sons. Their, their two sons marry. Both of them marry women from Moab. And then we we see the second funeral. Naomi's sons die. She's now left with her two daughter-in-laws. Naomi is going to encourage her two daughter-in-laws to to go back to their own homes. And to to start things over again. That's what she encourages them to do. But as we see this story, we we see that, that Ruth doesn't want to leave Naomi. I want you to read with me. Ruth 1, verse number 8. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. I want you to again think about what what Naomi is saying about her daughter-in-law, Ruth. You, you, you've been kind to me. You've also been kind to the dead. I think the idea is you've been kind to me and you've been kind to your husband. You see, that's the kind of person Ruth was. She was a kind individual. But I want you to think about this point because this point really gets to me. Think about it. Her kindness didn't change during difficult times. Her circumstances didn't change who she was. Even during difficult times, hard times, she demonstrated kindness. Not bitterness, but kindness. You know, I don't think we could say that of of Naomi. In fact, when she goes back home, you'll see in, in chapter 1, when she returns to Bethlehem, she says, don't call me Naomi, pleasant. Call me Mara, because the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. But you look at Ruth, and we see that Ruth was a very kind individual. You know, what is said about Ruth can also be said about Boaz. Look at chapter 2. In, in chapter 2, uh, Boaz, he, he goes out to the field. He, he, he sees his, his, his workers and then he sees Ruth. 
I believe he's heard about Ruth uh, coming to Bethlehem. But now he sees her there in verse number five. And I like to refer to this as love at first sight. He sees her. He notices her. And then you continue to read chapter to uh, chapter uh, two, you'll, you'll see in, in verse number eight, uh, then said Boaz to, to Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from thence, but, but abide here fast by the maidens. And don't, don't go anywhere else. I want you, I want you to be in my field. I want you to, to benefit from, from my harvest. And as you continue to read this, you're, you're, Ruth is wondering why Boaz is, is being so kind to her. You'll see that in verse number 10. And, and Boaz then explains. He heard how she uh, began to trust the Lord as you read verses 11 through 13. And, and, and she was now a follower of the Lord. He learned how she left her homeland to come and, and to take care of Naomi. That certainly touches his heart. But now let's read together verse number 13. Read verse number 13 with me. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly. That's what we're highlighting. Not only was, was Ruth a kind individual, we see here in chapter 2 that Boaz demonstrated the same kind of kindness. Now, now, what do we learn from this? Well, what we learn is this. Kindness is not weakness. It's good spirituality. Read Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit. We could also say that, that, that kindness is, is characteristic of love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4, love is kind. But here we're emphasizing that kindness is a characteristic of faithfulness. We see again that, that Ruth demonstrated kindness in her words. She demonstrated kindness in her actions. In chapter 2, she goes to the field. She works, she labors to provide for her mother-in-law. In all of this, she's demonstrating kindness. You know, as married couples, as a husband and wife, we can learn so much from the book of Ruth. And to me, this may be one of the most important lessons because I believe sometimes as couples, we struggle in this area. Learning to demonstrate kindness with one another. I want you to consider several passages with me. The first is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. Consider what we learn in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. The apostle Paul says these words, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you go up to, to verse number 31, the Apostle Paul talks about some things that we need to put off, that we need to, to lay to the side. Lay aside all, Paul says, bitterness, wrath, anger, listen to it, evil speakings. You, you lay aside 
those things. I'll tell you right now, if that describes your marriage, those things right there will destroy any marriage. But here's the secret to having a happy marriage. It's right here in verse number 32. And it centers around being kind, being tender-hearted. And built within this verse is the motivation for being this kind of person. You stop and, and think about how God has, has treated us. He's been graciously kind to each one of us. And because of that, we should demonstrate kindness towards one another. Look at a second passage with me. In Colossians chapter 4, verse number 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 6. Listen to what Paul says. In Colossians 4, verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to answer every man. If you want to be a person that is full of divine wisdom, that demonstrates divine wisdom, be gracious in your words. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 12, the words of a wise man are gracious. You see, if we're, we're wise, we'll, be, we'll practice discipline when it comes to our speech. We'll, we'll think about what we say to, to one another. Our words are going to be kind. They're going to be graceful, seasoned with salt. They're going to be tasteful. You know, as you look at Colossians chapter 4, verse number 6, think about it like this. Everything that we say, everything that comes out of our mouth, our communication with our spouse should always be pointing them to God. If your communication, even during arguments, disagreements, if your communication is not pointing the other person to God, you need to be like Job and you need to put your hand on your mouth. You don't need to say anything. You need to be careful what you say. God even says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse number 7, there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak up. If we're not going to be kind then we need to be silent. We need to put our hands over our mouth. Look at another passage with me. This is found in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 1. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 1. Listen to what Solomon says. Proverbs 15, verse number 1. A soft answer... Turner turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Sometimes we get into verbal warfare when we have a disagreement. And listen, when we do that, we're going in the wrong direction. It reminds me of what David said in Psalm 120, verse number 7. When I, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. You think about how that applies 
to marriage. What determines if we're for if if we're for peace or for war? Well, it depends what comes out of your mouth. That's what determines whether you're trying to be a peacemaker or whether you're trying to go to war. I'm afraid to say sometimes we want to go to war, but again, if we'll listen to God, if you'll listen to Proverbs 15, verse number one, listen to this passage, a soft answer turneth away wrath. You see, a soft answer promotes peace instead of war. When I think of Proverbs 15, verse 1, it reminds me. Every time I read it, it reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Where God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm thankful for these verses because, listen, these verses, they challenge us. This is not how how we naturally think. A lot of times when we have a disagreement with our spouse, this is how we win. This is usually how how, uh, the discussion goes. Whoever gets the loudest, that's the one who gets their way. And that is so opposite of what we see in the scripture. Turn to this next verse. If you would turn over to Proverbs 15, verse number 23. Proverbs 15, verse number 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Think about it. To speak the right thing at the right time, that doesn't happen by accident. That's really a, 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 a mark of spiritual maturity. To to say the right thing at the right time in the right way, that doesn't happen naturally. That is something that we we learn. It's something that that we learn from God Almighty. Listen to Proverbs 16, verse number 1. The preparations of the heart of man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You remember what we said at the very beginning? When we open the word of God, we have divine help. And when I study the book of James, this is one of the points that I I see in the book of James. As long as we're in the flesh, the tongue is something that we are going to struggle with. That's why we need God's help. And I'm thankful that we can work on these things. And as we work on these things, it's going to build and promote faithfulness. Again, kindness is a characteristic of faithfulness. Notice number two. Another characteristic of faithfulness is when our words and actions match. Words and actions match. They come together. We've already noticed or we mentioned Ruth chapter 1. But here in Ruth chapter 1, I want to read verse number 16 and and verse number 17. And and what we have is a declaration of of love or a confession of love this is this is a declaration of love and Ruth said entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest I will go and whither thou lodgest I will lodge 
Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. But friends, this isn't just a a declaration. This declaration is backed up. It's backed up by Ruth's actions. In fact, if you're, if you're right there in chapter 1, look at verse number 19. Guess where Ruth ends up. She goes to Bethlehem. Now, as you're looking at that, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse number 23, Moabites were forbidden to come into the congregation of God's people. Forbidden. But that's what Ruth does. This isn't just a declaration. She really meant what she said. You remember what we said about Boaz? He had spoken friendly. But it wasn't just words. He he put these words of kindness into action. He showed kindness. In chapter 2, verse number 14, he gave her something to eat, and I like this. He invited her to his table. You come over and, and you eat with me. He spoke friendly to her. And then he demonstrated that kindness by inviting her over. You also see his actions in, as he performed as a kinsman redeemer. Now, I'm going to encourage you to read all of this story, but you see how all of this comes together. In, in chapter 3, uh, Ruth really makes herself known to, to Boaz. She goes at night. She sees him. She, she uh, lies at, at his feet. Uh, they have a discussion concerning kinsmen. I want you to notice now what Naomi said in chapter 3, verse number 18. Then she, then said she, this is, this is Naomi speaking to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. To me, this is some of the best advice. Sit still, my daughter. Sit still, my daughter. Be patient. <laughs> Let things work out. Give it a chance. Until thou know how the matter will fall. Now notice what Naomi says about Boaz for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day here's the point he really put some effort into the feelings that he had for this great woman it it wasn't just feelings He really put some effort into the way that he felt about Ruth. Here's the application for us. A lot of times we'll put a great emphasis on keeping our word with others. But when it comes to our spouse, sometimes we fall short. We don't need to make promises that we keep can't keep. Read Proverbs 25, verse number 14. We're like the winds and the cloud that 
don't deliver any rain. We don't want to be that, that kind of individual. We want to follow through. We want our actions to back up our promises. Gentlemen, if we say to our spouse, we're going to do something, we need to keep our words. Like Boaz, we really need to put more effort into how we feel about them. And I promise you, when we do that, it's going to promote faithfulness. I think you see the same idea in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 18. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed in truth. John isn't saying that we shouldn't ever vocalize that love. I believe that's good to, to let our brethren know, to let our spouse know we, we love you. But it's not supposed to be just words. It's the action that makes a difference. You demonstrate that love. You put it into action. And when we do that, it's going to build a healthy marriage. Faithfulness is characterized by kindness. Faithfulness is, is characterized when our words and our actions come together. And then number three, and this is the last point we'll be looking at this afternoon. Faithfulness is characterized in what we value. Valuing the right thing. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. I would encourage you to continue to, to read the, the book of, of Ruth. And you're going to see things that, that Ruth and Boaz both value. Things that, that were really good. For example... Think about Ruth just for a few minutes and what she valued. One thing that, that she valued was the relationship that she had with her mother-in-law. Just, just look at the sacrifices she was willing to make. She was willing to leave her homeland to go and to take care of her mother-in-law. I believe Boaz valued relationships the relationship that that he had with his workers the relationship that that he had with Ruth if we're going to build a strong marriage if we're going to be faithful we need to value the relationship that we have with our spouse you know what Matthew 6 verse number 20 Jesus encourages us to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Jesus is encouraging us to, to make spiritual investments. And this is one spiritual investment that you can make. Investing in the well-being of your home. With your spouse. With your children. You can never go wrong making that spiritual investment. Think about Bo, Boaz and and what he valued. He valued generosity. We see that in chapter 2, verse number 3. He was uh, allowing people to, to, to come in and, and to benefit from his crops. By the way, that was required according to Deuteronomy 24, verse number 19. The strangers, the fatherless, the widows. You see the point though? Circumstances 
didn't change his generosity. Remember, the people of God just got over a famine. And some people, after a famine, they would be storing grain. They wouldn't allow anybody to have anything, not Boaz. Boaz valued generosity. That's one of the things that that we can value, is being generous, being kind and generous to one another. You know, another thing that, that Boaz valued was obedience. Throughout the book, Remember, this is in the time period of the judges. It was a very dark period. You see the people of God going through these cycles, but Boaz, again, valued obedience. Boaz was trying to keep the law of God. These are things that we can value as a married couple, as a husband, as a wife, we need to value obedience to God. Because as we said, God has given us his blueprint for the home. He has given us very various roles. Husbands, wives, we have different roles. And those roles are outlined in scripture. If we're like Boaz, we're going to be obedient to those things. Remember, the commandments of God are not grievous. First John 5, verse number 4. Everything that we find in the Word of God is for a good reason. We need to welcome God's Word in our life. God knows what is best for us. He knows what is best for the home. Value obedience. Boaz also valued praise. Look at chapter 2, verse number 12. Look at chapter 3, verse number 13. He valued praise. Praise. You see Boaz encouraging Ruth. You see Boaz again praising her for her virtue. These are things that we can do in our home. Our spouse needs to be praised in that sense. She needs to be encouraged. She needs to hear that, you know, she's doing a good job, or ladies, you need to, to value your husband. Let him know that he's doing a good job. Let each other know that you appreciate one another. And I promise you, your home will be stronger. We also see that Boaz valued sacrifice. He made all kinds of sacrifices for the well-being of others. Learning to sacrifice will build your marriage. You know, the value of something can be seen in the sacrifices that are made to attain it. What sacrifices are you willing to make for your spouse? Let me end by saying this, and I really believe this with all of my heart. No home, no marriage is perfect. In every home and in every marriage, there is room for improvement. You want to make your home stronger? You want to make your marriage stronger? Be kind one to another. Be a doer. Value the things that are right. And God will bless 
your marriage. We're about to offer the Lord's invitation. There might be somebody here tonight that is struggling in, in their marriage. We want you to know that we're here for you. God is ready to, to help you. And I believe that's 